All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. Today is November the 13th, 2014, and my name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week, and I'm joined also by uh, our illustrious co-host, Mr. Mark Cantrell. How you doing, Mark? Good. Thank you very much, Ted. Looking forward to it. Also, um, we have on the line um, Mr. Os- Oscar Dominguez from out on the West Coast. How you doing, Oscar? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, well, except for it, it's kind of cold, you know, for the for the, the a lot of the United States right now. Winter just showed up with a vengeance. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's me not Oscar, good. Me and Oscar are probably going to go uh, surfing later on today. Uh, <laughs> I'll make some bathing and do it, thanks. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry it's like that for you, but uh, we're, we're fine, aren't we, Oscar? We're doing fine. Yeah. Here. We're doing good. <laughs> yeah, I hate both of you. I just want you to know that right now. So, <laughs> get on with it. Um, what's going on in the news? Well, you know, uh, tomorrow is uh, the Party Poker World Masters, World Pool Masters, excuse me, starts up. Uh, over the across the pond, um, that's going to be some serious serious pool going on over there, man. There's a, a big bunch of uh, awesome players, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, we also have the Junior World Nine Ball Championships uh, cranking up tomorrow in Shanghai, so uh, that's going to be some great stuff for the juniors. Those guys are uh, going to be earning their notches in their belt, so to speak. And, uh, well, of course, we have to send out a, a congratulations to uh, Appleton for yet another win. Uh, he mopped up everybody at the Make It Happen 8-Ball Challenge this past week. So uh, that guy's got some, uh, yeah, some serious accolades coming. Anyway, so Oscar, um, you know, you guys, did you play in the U.S. Open also? Or was it just yes. your dad? Yes, I, no, I also played, although I didn't perform. Well, my results were very hot. <laughs> uh, okay. But, yes, I did. It's, and has your father gotten paid? or have? I mean, I heard that you know he was having a problem with getting his check. Yes, there's two players, actually, who have not been paid, and that's Warren Kanko and my father. Um, Warren supposedly got straightened out, and Barry Berman actually called me yesterday afternoon uh, apologizing and in true Barry Berman fashion talking to me for about 40 minutes <laughs> about everything that's going on, And uh, but supposedly he is going to wire transfer the money today or tomorrow. Uh-huh. He'll, the cash will be in my hand by Friday. Those are his words. Huh. Um, so I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> you know, I I, re- I really I really thought uh, I kept watching you, Dad, uh, on the on the brackets, and I was thinking, man, how cool would it be for for him to win the U.S. Open? Yeah, oh, hey, it, it, you know, because he's, he's been around a while. You know, it'd be nice to see it happen. Yeah, I mean, he was playing really well. I mean, he'd be some really good players, Ross Okay, and that Rodrigo Drogbo guy, and I mean, he'd be tons of good players. Um, but, you know, he ran out of gas a little bit at the end against Bustamani, but Bustamani played great against him, too. Yeah. But, I mean, see, the thing is, he, he, Dad's a great, he's a great player. 
And what happens, I think, once players get to a certain age, this, everybody starts taking them a little bit for granted. And all of a sudden, they get that flash of light and hit a gear, and they can, you know, your dad or you know any of the other guys who are of his age bracket, they're not, they're not where they are because of what? Because they know how to play the game. Yeah. And all they got to do is tear a gear every now and then, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Oscar, do you, are you, can you normally outplay your dad? Um, yes, usually in results because I have a little bit more consistency than he has because um, I play more. Yeah. Um, I, I think my father's more focused on, on the business of the pool table mechanic business. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you guys saw, if you guys knew what my dad did before the U.S. Open, the amount of work he did, I mean, you guys wouldn't believe me because it's unreal what he did. Yeah. And he still played a world-class pool. Yeah. So, he's he's amazing in every way, shape, or form. He really was admirable, at least to me, because I know what he wanted to, to even play in the U.S. Open. Right, right. Oh, see, yeah, I, I, I went into, and I've said this before, I don't know, uh, it's funny, because you, you've got two world-class players who are grinding it out during the week, you know, redoing tables, covering tables, doing everything the table mechanic does. And I remember going into Hard Times Sacramento, and uh, I was up there for uh, some reason, I was working, doing a tour or something. And you go into the, the back room, the tournament room, I guess they call it, a hard times in Sacramento, and just, you know, check out the place, where we're going to be, and that kind of thing, see if there's anybody around. And there's two of the best players in the country on their hands and knees, stapling and nailing and gluing cloth down on a, on a table on their hands and knees, and all looking all, hey, what's going on, guys? You know, you don't expect them under the table, you expect them on top of it. <laughs> you know, they, they work pretty hard. I've, I've seen them do it. They, they work pretty hard. They do, yeah. they do. Now, is he um, is he involved with you on the uh, on the Mez tour? Um, yes and no. Um, as far as, like, he does help us out, as far as, like, the ideas and, and whatnot, like, helping us call hits during events and helping mm. any way he can. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly it's my girlfriend Desiree. She's like the tour. She runs every stop, and okay. she does an awesome job. And also, she's like she's the organized one out of us two. So she helps me, you know, with the stats <laughs> and uh, information, and anything to do with business because she has a business background. Yeah. Business background. So she she really helps me out in that aspect. Well, tell me. Oh, sorry. Tell us a little bit more about the mess tour, how it came about to begin with. Um, actually, it came out sort of by fluke. Um, I remember Desiree and I were, were brainstorming one day. And we're like, you know, you should really start the tour up, you know, because there's... When Desiree lived originally from the East Coast, she was from the Philadelphia, from the New Jersey area. Um she came over and she saw me play a tournament with the Jay Swanson Memorial. And we had 192 players. Wow. And she's like, oh my God, you guys, you guys have so many players here. I'm like, yeah, it's insane. Mm-hmm. So you, just, you should start running a tool here. 
and it's funny, it's you know, it's funny, I was thinking about that years ago, and, you know, it just never really came about, because of time and stuff, and work, and, uh, so I shot an email to the owner of Mez Q's, Kaz, Kazunori Mickey, and he jumped right on it, and he was all about it, because I guess he heard the word of mouth about my father's reputation, and our reputation as, you know, being straightforward guys and straight shooters. Mm-hmm. So he jumped all apart, and then little by little, I started using all my contacts in like the billiard industry. And before I knew it, I had a whole bunch of sponsors. And then I'm like, okay, well, start calling up the pool rooms. And uh, since I know all the pool owners, because I worked for them for the past 23 years of my life and yeah. four years of my dad's life, um, it was easy sale. And they saw how much. Uh, they saw how easy, how honest we were. I wasn't really making, we're not making money here. I'm losing money in this endeavor, but right. it's something fun to do. And uh, I think the players are really, really responding very well to it. Cool. Yeah, I think you should be commended for it, um, for, for doing what you're doing. Like you said, it's not a money-making machine or anything like that. Uh, I think every now and then you, you could potentially come out of it and make a, t- a, t- a little bit of money. But, I don't, you know, it's a, it's one of those labor of love things that, yeah. um, that's good. And and you guys, it would be a lot easier, I think, for you. Uh, and, you know, along with, maybe along with your dad's backing to have people get on board because you guys got a good reputation. I mean, you, right. you know, you guys are solid, straight-up people, and, you know, I, I trust you guys with my wife, my wallet, and my kids, uh, and, and, not, and, not, and know that everything would still be in shape and untouched when I, when I came back, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that, that, that speaks a lot these days for, you know, pools and it really does yeah it really does it certainly helps to be involved uh in some well i'll put it this way it certainly helps if you have a good reputation to begin with you know what i mean it would be i mean and that's not to say that i'm a criminal but they would put a lot more stock in an event that you were holding as opposed to me because you've been there and done that you know and like you said you have a good reputation um I understand that you guys had a little. Uh, I don't know. I don't even call it a controversy. What there was an issue with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, um, what do you call it? At the end, uh, I'm not trying to split. That's the word. The split at the end of the evening. What was up with that? Okay, here's a funny thing. Mark King uh, beat me for the hot seat, and I came through the loser side. Uh, I beat Bo running it, and then I played a Mark, and in the true double elimination finals. So I beat him the first set, 9-7, and it was a great set, and uh, the spectators were there. And I said, well, we're going to play another one. So I flipped the coin, and as soon as I flipped the coin, everybody was like, oh, shit, I said, we're going to go home, because it was late. It was close to 3 a.m. Yeah. And Amar said, you know what, Oscar, i got to drive back to Sacramento, which is a two-and-a-half-hour drive from San Francisco. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, well, like, so what do you want to do? He's like, well, I'm just going to forfeit. Because he says, can I split? I'm like, well, I really don't split, I told him. Well, well, it's okay, well, it's just forfeit, he says. You know, you can win the tournament. You know, I got to drive home, and I don't want to get in a car accident. You know, fall asleep behind the wheel. Right. And and I'm like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. We'll split. He's like, yeah, but what about the points? I'm like, 
the hell with the points. We'll split the points, too. Your safety is more important than a stupid pull tournament. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in essence, I mean, I'm not going to risk anyone's safety over a pull tournament, period. I don't care how many people I make upset. Right, right. And... Well, the, and the, the, thing, the thing as well, Oscar, and this is where I stand on this splitting business, and we've talked about it before, is if you've got 100 people sitting around at 3 a.m. who want to watch you play, that have been dedicated to your event the whole weekend, and they want to watch you play, I say you've got to play it. If you've got a pay-per-view where people have paid, you've got to play it. But if you've got no stream and no pay-per-view, and there's going to be four people left watching you at, at 3 a.m., it's one of those things that, like like you said, you put your safety first and, you know, you, you get to do whatever you want to do. You're disappointed four people at the end of the yeah, day. Not, I mean, it, it's, it, seems, it seems petty uh, to, to try and force somebody to play. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. But, um... It's just one of those things to where uh, we make this is we put in all the work behind it, and truthfully, if there's going to be a couple of people who are disappointed, well, then feel free to run your own tour, do <laughs> all the work, work for basically free, and you know what? I'll support it. I'll be behind you if you guys want to do it. I'll support your tour. Um, come do it yourself. I mean, it really, this is I'm losing money doing this. I can go fix a couple pool tables and not deal with any headaches. Right. We get it over with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, I'm, if I'm trying to make money here, I go fix tables. I have my business. Exactly. I make money, no problem. But this is something that Darren Jerry and I are doing because we love the game and there are people who appreciate our, our work. Sure. And, you know, in the end, after it's all said and done, there are people who love playing our stops and, you know, we appreciate everyone's support. And, you know, even the people who just have negative things to say, there's always going to, it's in every aspect of life, there's always going to be negative people, so... Yeah, to me, it doesn't bother me. Well, I think it would be a different scenario too. That if if it was something underhanded, where you know it was a major tournament and you had these two guys trying to dump, you know, or just you know what I mean, like it would be different if it was uh, uh, some kind of coercion or you know uh, what's the word um, conspiracy, <laughs> you know, to try to end things yeah, and yeah. take the pot and split it so that, you know, that's silly. Um, this was more yeah. of a, to me anyway, it's just my own opinion. I think it was more of a common sense thing. Um, and you know, I guess you could listen to the naysayers and, and, um, talk about, uh, start the tournament different times or a different format, but, but that didn't matter at that point in time. You know, it, it was what it was then, and you had to deal with it. So what do you do, you know? Yeah. Our tournament was running smooth as butter. We should have finished by, like, 11 p.m., but we had two, actually just one player in particular who was slow as molasses that I had to put on the clock. Yeah. And that really pushed us back. Um, and also, Amar, Amar volunteered to, to forfeit. Right. And I said, no, I'm not going to forfeat. I'll voluntarily give him the split. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So instead of him getting $800, I said, no, we'll split and we each got 1000 because I think it's nitty or, or just very petty on my part to try and take that $200 in the extra points. It's just not in my nature. Yeah. Yeah. What, what else do you have? Um, can you tell us what you've got coming up next with the Mesco, Oscar? So I know it's, yeah. it's you know, West Coast thing. It's going to be leading up to Reno, maybe? 
Um, well, Reno, not yet. Um, this season, uh, we have stops up and down the West Coast, and we go to Phoenix, Arizona for one stop in January. Um, the thing is, is that, honestly, I did not anticipate everybody to jump on board so quickly. So when I, I accounted for, I wanted to have a stop in Vegas, but our sponsorship uh, package right now. So I'm like, whoops. <laughs> Um, I have to start telling people no that we can't have a spot there. Um, so our next stop is this weekend in San Diego, California. And then uh, we have a little bit of time off and we go to San Francisco. And if my memory serves me correctly, I have to go to Victorville, Phoenix, and followed up by uh, San Francisco Bay Area, one more stop in the Bay Area. So, you know, it's, it's going really well and we're averaging like 86 players per stop. Where are you where are you playing in San Francisco? Um, we're gonna play over at we play at Family Billiards. We have one stop there. We have another stop at Billiard Palcade, which is the most recent one. Mm-hmm. And we have the final stop is gonna be in Fremont, California, which is uh, it's the California Billiard Club. You remember the old one in Mountain View? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well they they closed because right. of some issue with the lease and they're reopening in Fremont, California, which is like 15 minutes away. Yeah, Fremont used to be the... All right, here I go. I, I talk too much, I know. Fremont, California, if you go around and you look at some of the historical things, Fremont was going to be the Hollywood of California. Oh, yeah. I back in, back in, yeah, there's a ton of movies being made there in Fremont. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, interesting. There you go. Um uh, so uh, you and uh, you and Desiree, I think you guys end up getting married pretty soon. Um, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh. One day Why not? That's pretty funny. Uh, Mark's trying to pin you to the corner over there, man. I can hear it. I can hear it coming. It's <laughs> okay. I don't mind. <laughs> no, he's listen. Oscar's always on the internet professing his love for her and how well things are going and it seems like those guys got a good relationship and work well together so I, I think it's just a matter of time before we have another pool wedding. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, hey. I need to start, when you, I need to start uh, making money to afford it. <laughs> hey, no, if you've got a female that loves pool, man, then you've got, that's half the battle right there. Really. I mean. Yeah, All right, listen, I'm going to take a real quick break. And uh, we'll are we're gonna come back and talk a little bit about the Moscone Cup. All right. All right, we're back and uh, talking with uh, Mr. Mark Cantrell and uh, Oscar Dominguez. Oscar was um, one of the um, picks for the or potential you know players for the Moscone Cup team for this year, but uh, did not end up making the cut. I guess from what I understand, tell me, Oscar, how do you, how do you feel in to in the beginning, or I should say, generally speaking, how do you feel about um, the the process this year of of coming up with the team? Obviously, the coach picks versus just going by rankings or stats. How does that? I mean, how does that strike you? Do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Um, I think it's. I think it's. It's, 
it's okay. I think it was acceptable um, to try and change things up. I'm, I'm behind it. I was behind the concept just to see how how things would, would change. Um, generally speaking, I am against that because too many variables come into it. Cause, um, I think the people who dedicate themselves to the sport and travel worldwide and go to Japan and China and play the ranking events all across the country, I think that deserves some merits. So yeah. I think the people who who pay their dues um, and get points on the world rankings and the BCA rankings should have some automatic spots. Sure. That's my personal opinion, and I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> you know, I had not, I hadn't even thought about that um, in in that particular context. It might have been interesting to to reserve, say, you know, three spots or two spots based on some rankings and then like sort of like Europe does have like the wild cards just because. Mm-hmm. But uh I understand too that we have sort of a ranking problem right now with there's not enough events to, to really go by. At least official events to go by anyway. So that's kind of a conundrum. Um what so um if I can just say something. Yeah, go that. ahead. I I I I I I I, I agree with you on it, and I agree with what Oscar said. My the, the problem is if you take two ranking players, it takes away from what the initial concept was, and that was to be able to get the team together as early as possible right. and build team unity and all those other fantastic that things. That is true, that is true. Which, which, which was the goal, because you're still going to be left. Maybe you've got three people who you know are in, but you don't know your team until October, you know? And so I think that's why it's tough to do it that way. There's got to be some kind of compromise <laughs> or way to, to do it. Um, but, you know, I, I think picking just picky five and go with them for yeah. the year. Okay, Mark, uh, if you guys don't mind me interrupting there, um, go ahead. I agree with what you're saying. However, do you actually think having these eight players selected from the beginning of the year is building team unity? No, I, I, I think pick five. Okay, I, 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 I think absolutely pick the five, pick the eight. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> That's not my call. My call is the coach and the captain, and he's the one who gets to make that call. And he's trying to do it the way he wants to do it. Now, now I'm qualified, but going to what you were saying, yeah, I, I would personally pick the five. Just pick Absolutely. them. And then, and, then, and then that's it. They're in, they're done. You, got, you don't have eight people or 12 people, however it began. Um and you've, at some point along the line, you've got to let down X amount of players um, when you didn't need to. However, you're still going to come into that same argument that goes, well, shit, Mike Machine played his ass off all year long, and he, he did really well. He should be on the team. Well, maybe he should, but you don't have a crystal ball. So you've got to pick him at the start of the year, you've got to build that team from the beginning and say, yeah, these guys all do I expect them to do well. So that's my hmm. thing on here's it. The main, here's the main issue with picking the A, the way it works this way. You actually think everyone's trying to help each other? There's eight dogs fighting for five bones. <laughs> right, right. This is exactly what's going to happen. There's going to create tension among each players. 
it's going to be people rooting against each other because I'm sure as hell hoping uh, my opponent doesn't win a tournament so that he gets my spot. You understand? I mean, we're all humans. I mean, we're all egotistical. and I, I just don't think it was. I actually talked to Mark about this, and I voiced my opinion to him. I said, I think it was a great idea. It was a great concept. But I don't think it worked because it's just, there's too much ego involved. <laughs> and, mm. and it's just, it's not going to make anyone happy. If you want to build team unity, take your five and go have the five travel to all these tournaments together and play together, play doubles with each other, build that, that, that foundation. Um, I mean, sure, we built team unity, but we didn't know who the team was until last week or two weeks or whatever it was before the U.S. Open. Right, right. Uh, what, what what help does it really do? Well, I'm sure we do that in San Diego and... Right. A little bit more. Well, here's my <laughs> argument to that, though. Here's my argument to that. Number one, number one, this, and you may be able to answer this. My first part of mm-hmm. the question is: if you've just got five, does that leave, does that leave room for anybody? And I'm being very genuine when I'm asking this. Does that leave room in case somebody <laughs> gets sick or somebody has to back out? I mean, like, do we need to have an alternate that or two? That's my one question and number two is Johan made a good point and I'm having a hard time conceptually disagreeing with this that if there is um, sort of the, the competition of who gets to make the final cut then that is going to tend to make people more competitive now you're right as far as the personal feelings towards each other is like well I'm he's going to get my spot I get that but at the same time, isn't mm-hmm. that going to make somebody want to try harder to make the final cut? In theory, yeah, I, I a, in theory, at least, yeah. you know. In theory, yes. I'm just being a devil's um, advocate here, you know. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. It, it's, this is what I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that we never competed against each other to really show well, how yeah. we before. Right. And that, that's, that's my, that was my biggest quarrel with the whole selection process is that we were all together and we never played against each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest mistake. The thing is, see, if you base it off my results, if you base it off tournament results, like say Turning Stone, I mean, I played Suji C first round, the guy ran a six-pack on me and beat me 9-6 to six or 9-7. to seven. And then I played Donnie Mills on the loser side and Donnie played a phenomenal set and I lost Hill Hill. Yeah. So does that mean I'm a bad player? <laughs> Or does that mean I'm not worthy enough? Whereas another guy gets two cheeseburger draws and then draws a homeless guy third round, and he's a better player. Right. Because he shot six times a game. Right. No, of course not. Right. Well, there's the flaw. Right. That's the flaw in the ranking system, too, though. That's the flaw flaw in the point system, too, you know, is if you just go by these tournaments. yeah, but if it's a commuter-led point system based over, say, the China Open or the World Nine Ball Championships, the guys who go out there, I think that makes a big difference, too. Because yeah. you're not always going to get a bad draw. Right, right. Unless you're the unluckiest human being on Earth. <laughs> All right. Which I felt like I was last this year when I got, like, so many bad draws. I felt like no one was going to get me. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. But um, I just feel like it wasn't... I, I really feel that we never got the opportunity to prove it. Does mm. that make sense to you guys? Well, kind of. I mean, yeah. I was there, and it, it's, it's 
different. When you guys are when you guys are spectators really don't 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 understand. That was the only call I had. I felt like there was people who got who didn't have the opportunity who should have done the opportunity to show. Like Mike Bishane's a perfect example. Right. I right, mean right. Mike he had an issue. I actually recommended him I recommended several people, including Jeremy Fosby, because I think they're great players. And Mike had, like, you know, a lot of people had to think Mike has attitude problems. He does have attitude problems. I mean, he's not the most likable guy in the world. But, I mean, he's improved so much. Mm-hmm. You guys wouldn't believe it. I mean, I went from absolutely despising the guy to actually rooming with him and getting along with him really well. Mm-hmm. It's just the guy's making the effort to do that. And I think, I think that was one mistake. Sure. Uh, leaving him out. That's what that was, but, but that would did 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 Mark Wilson know the strides and the effort that he made at the beginning of the year, and that's where he comes back to. We don't have a crystal ball. I still believe in picking the five. Pick the five that you think you're going to be good, but no matter what you do, all of a sudden it could be. Hell, it could be me. Just let's just say it's me, okay? I did not pick with a team. Well, for obvious reasons, so it's hypothetical. And then I go off and I win the Japan Open, I win Turning Stone, I win the U.S. Open, and throw another one in there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and, I'll, I'll win, and, and you go, well, shit, what, what is this game? He should be on the team. Come yeah, December, well, he should be on the team. I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword. That's why I still believe that we should go by points and it should be selected at the end of the season. Just, you know what, pick your five best players who are performing the best at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's, there's a whole, you know, being the, the whole reputation of, of picking like nice guys and stuff. But I mean, nice guys don't run out sometimes. And that's what it's all about winning. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm more about winning. But, yeah, this you know, is true. That's the, I'm being honest. Uh, well, let's be honest. Are you were you mad? Are you angry about not making the uh, the final five? You know, honestly, I expected it. I expected not to get picked. In all why? Why would you expect not to get picked? <laughs> <laughs> the reason, the reason that, no, I'm asking you because you've got as much talent. And and I think a straight shoot as well here. You got as much talent as everybody on the team, other than Shane. Oh God! He's trying to get you to shoot yourself in the foot here. You know what? I'll I'll leave that one pending. I'll leave that question (laughs) pending. It's not. I don't want to start anything because I'm not going to get easy failures. It's just one of those things. I rather. I felt like I wasn't going to be picked. Mainly because I didn't have, I didn't absolutely make a huge impression. In 09, I made a team because I was the number one ranked player on the team, and they had absolutely no choice but not pick me. And I remember reading AZ Billers, tons of forums everywhere. We won the we won the Moscone Cup. It's like, oh, you know, congratulations, Team USA. But we would have been a better team if, say. Player X played instead of Oscar. And we won against the, probably the best European team ever assembled. Thorsten Holman, Darren Appleton, Mika, Ralph Suke, and 
who was it? Uh, Niels? Niels, yeah, Niels. I'm like, that's like a superstar team. And yeah. we beat them. Yeah. You know, and they still talk crap about me not being on the team. So it's just <laughs> like the thing is, my, my, I think the biggest reason why I don't get the respect I get is because I don't do anything spectacular. I'm a steady player. And I don't put big packages together, but I'll three foul you to death. And it doesn't get the same attention. And, you know, I go overseas and I camp with the best players in the world all the time, and I do well. And nobody takes that into account. It's just, you know, it's not a big deal. I was I was expecting not to make the team. I was disappointed. But I wasn't surprised. Like, I expected it. So, I remember when Mark called me. I'm like, yeah, yeah I figured. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't get my hopes up. I mean, it was, it was disappointing because I felt like I, I had done enough to merit it. Mm-hmm. But, well, I think anybody that got anybody that make the, that didn't make the cut, or I should say, everybody that didn't make the cut, I'm just guessing they probably felt the same way. I mean, I don't know that for a yeah. fact, but I'm getting that feeling. Yeah. Um, Mark, yeah. Brandon and Jeremy. I mean, they're they're good guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. That I felt like I mean, I'm the one who recommended Jeremy. I mean, not many people know that I recommended Jeremy because he's a good guy and he plays jam up pool. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe his style of play is not conducive to Moscone Cup team because he is slow. Um, maybe Mark took that into account. I don't know. Same with me. I am a little bit on slower side. He has his reasons, and you know it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I've got another question, if I could. Um, mm-hmm. The from what we're hearing at this point, um, what Mark's wanting to do is take the whole team over there. And um, I don't know. I just don't want to move away from the titles that people are going to have. But go over there, do a part of the initial eight, lets you over there and support each other. And um, I don't know how that's all going to work. It's been a question that's out there as to how do expenses get paid and things like that. Um, are, are you going to be going? Are the expenses going to be taken care of? Or do you go on, on your own dime? Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to really tell you the details, but I'm just going to say it anyways because who cares? Um, Matchroom did make an allocation to pay our expenses. Uh, Matchroom Sports paying expenses for the three players. Because yeah, nice. we, we agreed uh, beforehand, a long time ago, when uh, uh, Mark said, if you make the team, would you be willing to give 10% to the other guys? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, if I make the team. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm not greedy. I don't. I don't care. And if we won, we got 20%. Uh, we gave 20% to the non-players, which is fine. It's all fine and dandy. Um, and then I didn't make the team. And now that I'm seeing that I'm going to have to take money from him, I uh, actually rejected that offer. So I am not going to London um, for several reasons, like including pride in my ego. <laughs> I... I in all honesty, I, I just can't do that to myself. I mean, it's absolute torture. And I actually wrote a private message on Facebook to the five members. Um, I congratulated them all, first of all. And I told them, you know, guys, it's no reflection on you guys at all. It's, or Mark. I, it's not a big deal. But I feel like it's not right for me to go to the Moscone Cup and 
be a water boy of sorts for you guys. And <laughs> if you guys make a mistake, you guys are going to have in the back of my mind that I'm hating Goliath right now. I think I'm a bigger shark than help, and I hope they win. I hope yes, they win. It's just because you know, I, I hope they win because I, I'm a big fan of American Bull. And uh, it's just, I mean, I have family stuff going on. Like, it's my girlfriend's birthday that weekend, and I am not going to be in London leaving my family behind. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of things. And it's just mainly that I didn't feel right going out there. What do you right. think? Um, what do you think the team's uh, odds are? Uh, well, I'm gonna last let Cantrell ask you the question. He's getting odds from everybody. What the predictions of what he thinks is gonna happen? Okay, Cantrell. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's your what's your what's your prediction for the final outcome this year? Now we know who the team is. We know who the other team is. The European team. How do you see it ending? Okay, I'm going to give you three results. You can't give me three <laughs> results. What are you going to win when you're not going to draw? We're talking about what? Jesus, this is why gambles with people. Last thing is always on a winner. If USA wins, they're going to win extremely close. 11-9, 11-8. Okay. Either that or USA is going to get blown out. Okay. One or the other. It all depends on how... John and the Justins play internationally. Yeah. That's the key. Okay. If they play well internationally, they're gonna they have a real good chance of winning. We all know Shane plays good internationally and Corey plays unbelievably internationally. Those three guys are the factors, in my honest opinion, that if they play well on international waters, eating different food, the different time zones, a lot of people don't take that into account. It's yeah. not easy playing overseas. Unless you travel overseas a lot a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not sleeping in the same bed. You know, you can't even, you can't even go to the bathroom the same because in China the toilets are weird. And, <laughs> I mean, it's just so many factors and no one speaks English. I mean, but they're lucky they're going to London. Yeah. Because, you know, it's an English-speaking country, yeah. but Very true. it's not the same. Yeah. But the, the food is different. And Vine uh, Pool is, um, it, 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 it has a mixture of just about every traditional English food you can get. And the burgers, and I'm sure you've noticed this, Oscar, on your travels. You think you go to a McDonald's, the burgers are the same at McDonald's in Victorville, California, as they are in Bradford, England. They're not. They're a different It's a different taste. Yeah, completely different. Oh, man. But you think it'd be the same. So that, that you can throw you. Actually, Johnny Archer has been texting me the last couple of days. He's over there in Japan with with Rodney. And I know he's, he's big. He's like, I'm getting tired. I'm like, how are you eating? Like, eating okay. Because he's one of those. He, he won't eat Indian food. He's uh, Mexican food. He's like, like a, a taco, maybe. That's it. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's he's not he doesn't like for he likes me but he's a meat potatoes kind of guy and okay. and so and if that's the kind of person that you are uh, and even if that's not the kind of person you are you go to these other countries and you taste even a, a big mac it can have an effect on your digestive system uh, <laughs> that you're not aware of yeah mm-hmm. yeah this is yeah, very true. 
I don't know. A lot of people don't. That's the thing that you know. The international experience is huge. I've roomed with Johnny in Germany, and all he wants, to, all he wants to eat is McDonald's and drink Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't blame I him, do man. I don't blame him. I can't do that. I mean, it, it, I understand, but I, I just I eat like a local. I mean, you should see me in, in China, I'm eating whatever. Because what the hell? Why are you going out there if you're not going to at least enjoy the culture? Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I see. I'm a believer in that as well. You gotta um, try other cultures, depending where you go. Obviously, just even the water, just ice cubes in the water that came from the faucet can sometimes turn your stomach a little bit. Uh, but I think if you go into the right places, if you're drinking bottled water and all that kind of thing, you probably are going to be fine. But you got to try some of this stuff. I, I agree with you. Um, hopefully, you know, the uh, English food isn't going to turn Team USA's stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish, I think they'll do okay. I think they're going to do pretty well. Um, obviously, the, the home crowd's going to be big, and mm -hmm. uh, the Europeans are, are respectful for the most part. They're respectful fans. It's just, uh, I just... When Mr. Shy, you just have to anticipate that they're going to probably be here as long as I play high school basketball, so I mean, it doesn't bother me. Like, uh, you know, I was used to people waving their waving their hands when I'm shooting free throws and stuff. So, well, they all get, they always, you see, I think they're loyal fans um, in Europe, and they're just loud fans in Europe. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. I mean, they do it. It's not they don't just do it at pool. They do it well. Snooks is a lot better behaved because they kick him out. But yeah. soccer, rugby, cricket, you name it, all the sports from there, they're the same way. Don't mean they don't love the, the game or they're being disrespectful necessarily to you personally. It's just that's their MO. That's what they do to show their support yeah. for whoever. And I, I think uh, I think that the. USA team, oh, I've said it before, I think everybody's in for a little bit of a surprise this year as to how it's, uh, how loud it's going to be mm -hmm. and everything else. So, Cool. All right, what's gentlemen. Your, what's your final... Hold, hold on, I've got my last question. All what's right, your hurry final? up. <laughs> you, you gave my... Oscar gave me his... We're either going to get win by slightly or we're going to get blown out. Okay. Yeah, I figure like going uh, out by like eleven six or eleven five. If, if you were to bet money with me right now, not that I'm gonna. But if you were to bet all everything you got, what would you bet on the score being and whoever's closest wins the line? Ooh, ooh. Hmm, that's a good question. You got me thinking there. I think <laughs> everything you've got, everything I got since those three players that I was talking about, the X Factors. I say about two do good, the one doesn't, or vice versa. I don't know any combination, so it's gonna be like eleven eight. Eleven eight. If I have to, if I have to, you put a gun to my head, I have to say it's gonna be eleven eight. Okay. To USA or Europe? Europe, just because they have to experience playing team events together and um, the, the home court. Now, if you're playing in the U.S. on U.S. soil, then I'll bet the other way, actually, mm -hmm. especially getting odds. Definitely not USA. Okay, yeah. that, that's my soil. International soil is a big factor, and yeah. a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, yeah. I'm a gambler, so I know how to match up. <laughs> <laughs> All 
That's funny. Well, that, that was that was that was my question. I I appreciate all your honesty. Um, yeah, for for better or for worse, I'll, I'll be rooting for USA. Though, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> 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 the Europeans, uh, God bless them. They're they're so arrogant and cocky. <laughs> God bless them. They're so arrogant. I just hope they win. I know. I know it, man. I know. I'm going to try to stay out of it. All right, guys. We got to get out of here. So uh, thanks again, Oscar, and thanks, Mark. Um, appreciate your time, you guys. And uh, go suck an egg and enjoy your warm weather. And I'm going to go get my parka on over here. So I'll talk to you guys later. And uh, have a great All right. week. All right. Thank you, David. Thank you, Oscar. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Go Play Pool at Featured Room here on American Billiard Radio. Uh, this week I'm going down south talking to Tracy Whitney. He's the owner of High Pockets in Memphis. How you doing, Tracy? Doing great. Good, good. So uh, why don't you why don't you give us a little history? I know I know High Pockets has been around for quite a while, so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about the history? High Pockets was opened in 1983 by a gentleman named James Strickland. Um, he kind of changed the way pool was played in Memphis and everything. Uh, big open spacious room with all at that time had all uh, nine foot gold crowns in it. Um, he brought in uh, St. Louis Louis Roberts as a house pro for a while. Um, he was here about three years um, as a house pro, and he sponsored him in tournaments and things like that. Um, and I acquired the business in 2008. I've been playing pool here since 1985. Uh-huh. And came across it at the right time and uh, purchased the pool room. Nice. Nice. So uh, what have you been doing to like kind of keep the tradition alive down there? Well, um, we, we've expanded the pool room. Um, we've uh-huh. got uh, around 27 pool tables now. Um, nice. We've got a assortment of diamonds and uh, gold crowns and uh, we've got some valley bar boxes um, we've also got a snooker table and uh, dart boards things like that and, we, and um, I brought in uh, last year uh, I've known him for several years but I bought, brought Rob Sias uh, in as my house pro so nice. he plays out of high pockets and uh, sponsor him to all the events and tournaments and things that's awesome yeah Rob, Rob's a good guy I like him cool cool so uh, what, what kind of tournaments and stuff do you have going on um, well, we started this year. We've had several, you know, like fifteen hundred, two thousand dollar events, things like that. Wow. Um, but uh, we we've had a the long trotted handicap tournament in uh, the Memphis area has been going since nineteen eighty three. We have a nine ball handicap tournament every Thursday night. Um, it's been running since nineteen eighty three, and we keep that tradition going. And then uh, we have a bi weekly tournament on uh, bar tables, and then we'll do uh, special events things. And last year, me and Ray Hansen with uh, Pool Action TV started mm-hmm. the Memphis Open, and we're going to try to continue that every year. Um, we had a one pocket tournament with uh, two thousand dollars added, and then we had a ten ball tournament with four thousand dollars added. It was all pro players uh, invitation right. only. Nice. So uh, Justin Hall won the one pocket, and then uh, Jason Clatt out of Canada won the ten ball. Game. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, now it's coming back to me. Yeah, we uh, we watched that <laughs> <laughs> on Polite uh, TV. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah, awesome. So um, I I've seen on your website that uh, ladies play free. What's that all about? 
Uh, we always let the ladies play free. Um, it's just something we do. Um, everybody likes to see ladies in the pool room, and uh, it actually, uh, actually, uh, we hold a we have a thing with the APA where we do the uh, US Amateurs here, the qualifying events every year oh, okay. for the US Amateur, uh-huh. uh, for the US Open, or US Amateur Open, and uh, we uh, we picked up the ladies this year. We had uh, sixteen players in the ladies event this year. Nice. So, Oh man, I wish I lived in Memphis. <laughs> I'd be there every like, day. Like for free, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, do you guys have any leagues or anything? Oh yes, we've got uh, we've, we've got in-house leagues um, two nights a week, and then we have APA um, everything from Masters to Scotch Doubles to uh, mm-hmm. Double Jeopardy leagues, and then we have uh, there's a Memphis Money League that we do, and we also do Napa leagues. So we have leagues almost every night of the week. All right, running the gamut, huh? Very cool, awesome. So you guys, uh, you guys have uh, food and and stuff like that. In we there have a full too? we have full menu, everything from steak dinners to grilled chicken salads to whatever you want. Nice. What's your what's your favorite item on your menu, Tracy? Everybody comes through loves the grilled chicken. That's uh, right. everybody. I get accolades from everywhere from all the pros uh, that come through. Uh, we have a table that we have them sign. Um, that we have a big gold crown that's uh, natural stained, and we have them all sign it. And everybody from Johnny Archer to Mike Massey, and of course Chip Compton, Joey Gray, and Rob, and nice. Max Everly, and everybody comes through, and they all they all like the, the grilled chicken. Awesome. I'll have to come down and have some grilled chicken one day. <laughs> All right, Tracy, anything else you want to tell our listeners about? No, uh, just support your local pool room. Uh, if you're a pool room owner, uh, find you a couple of players to sponsor and support. Um, I, I'm always trying to help the guys out, everybody from uh, put Justin Bergman back on the road last year, and he made the Bosconi Cup, and I sponsor Brandon Chess sometimes, and just different players whenever they need help. Um, it really helps pool stay alive. Yep. Amen to that. Amen to that. Support your local room. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, why don't you let everybody know where you're located and how they can get in touch with you. We're located at 5099 Old Summer Road in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, if you come through, please stop by and see us. All right. Well, everybody, uh, make sure you check out High Pockets. They will have a limited profile in the Go Play Pool app, so you'll be able to get in touch with them that way. And if you're in the Memphis area, stop in and say hi to Tracy and everybody down at High Pockets. All right, Tracy. Well, thank you for for getting on the phone with me. And thank you, and thank you for ragging me uh, for a year to do this. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Uh, that's the other thing, uh, y'all. Uh, everybody, uh, GoPlayPool.com does a great job of supporting pool and and helping everybody out and doing things. So uh, thank y'all for what y'all do. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yes, we're we're, we're trying. So. Um, yeah, all the all the support and encouragement definitely keeps us going. So thank you for that. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you again for for talking to me and letting everybody know about high pockets. Thank you. Awesome. And thank you everybody for listening to another Go Play Pool app featured room right here on American Billiard Radio.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton with AZ Billiards. I'm rejoined this week by the face of Q Sport International, Ozzy Reynolds. How you doing, Ozzy? Oh, I'm doing well. That's a little scary, though, to say I'm the face of anything. <laughs> oh, I don't know. When uh, when we were out in Vegas, you seemed to be the, the man who, I mean, you had the answers when whenever somebody needed them. <laughs> Whether they liked it or not, right? <laughs> well, all right. There might have been one or two people who may not have cared for your answers, but for the most part, you had everything under control. I appreciate it. Uh, can we talk about the the events in Vegas at the Rio from this year? Sure, sure. Uh, now that you've had a chance to come away from that event, and, and we won't get into some of the stuff that went on, but you know, now that you've had a chance to come away from that event, uh, what was the what was the consensus opinion on the success of the event? Well, you know, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, it probably depends on your perspective whether you're a fan, a player, someone within our organization, uh, someone within the press. I think everybody took a little something different away from the event. By and large, though, what I think most people took away was the the level of play, particularly from the Taiwan guys, was just out of this world good. Uh, boy, they really came over and cleaned up. If you think about Copen uh, Yi and Coping Chung, Coping Yi wins the 10 ball event, faces his younger brother in the finals. That was his younger brother's only loss, if my recollection is correct. And then in the 8 ball event, his younger brother goes undefeated to win that event. Just phenomenal given the field that was there, those 16 players, that uh, those two guys in particular could pull off something like that to me is astounding and that that really should have been the headline above anything else in my opinion well and i think it was the when i when i think of eight ball i certainly don't think of of taiwan as a real hotbed for the best eight ball talent in the world but they showed it at that event absolutely absolutely and then the challenge match you know that was that was kind of a shock i don't think anybody would have picked Shane to lose, I mean, nobody picks Shane to lose any challenge match to begin with, but, you know, <laughs> that kind of sent tremors like, wait a minute, something something's different here. That really should be a shockwave through the pool community, in my opinion. And you're right, I think most people in this country, uh, if I had to put a number on it, I would probably say 80-90% of the American fans said Shane would win that. Uh, but we didn't feel that way. We thought like it was a really, really good close matchup. Copeny uh, was not very well known in this country, and maybe still isn't, quite honestly. Uh, but boy, he should be. Absolutely. And, and he proved that he could hang with even the likes of Shane Van Boning. And what a phenomenal match that was! I've gone back and watched it on YouTube two or three times, and boy, it's pretty humbling. Uh, if you think your pocketing ball is pretty good and you watch a match like that, you realize just how bad you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, in my opinion, from being there and watching two of the three challenge matches, the challenge matches seem to go real well. I agree. Not only did they go real well, but uh, the one that surprised me the most, Mike, was the OB challenge. 
I think most people would have said that Francisco Bustamante and Efren Reyes would have won that match relatively easily. Uh, but that sure wasn't the case. Uh, and in fact, it went the other way. But other than that, those matches were extremely close uh, and nail biters, in my opinion. I mean, uh, if you look at the Dennis Orcolo and uh, Chang match, it comes right down to the end, just a few racks of separation. And the same thing with the Kamui challenge with Kopenyi and Shane. The the match with Dennis, that was the one that I did not have a chance to see. Um, Corey and Mike came together well. They were having fun there early, and then you know there was a time in the middle of the match where maybe they weren't positive they were going to win it. Yeah, it, it, it looked like momentum swang uh, a couple times in either direction. But the thing I took away most from that match was just what you just said, Mike. For the most part, they looked like they were having fun. They were laughing, joking, uh, you know, talking to each other about what they're going to do next. And one wouldn't agree with the other, and they would kind of chuckle about it. And really, that's what we wanted to get across, is this game is supposed to be fun. That's why we all fell in love with it. With the tables for the pro events, you know, back in the corner of the arena, do you think, well, not to not to you think, did you guys get the response from the amateur players that you were hoping to get? Did, did enough of them show up to watch the matches? Did, did that work for you guys? You know, it was about like we expected. Uh, although I would say we never get the response from the amateurs that we hope to get. And that's something that we're taking a look at for next year is having a pro event during the BCA Pool League National Championships is not, we don't do it just because we think it's a cool thing to do. Uh, it really should be a means to attract the amateurs, give the amateurs a little more something to look forward to, and really use that as a tool to grow what is our core business, and that's amateur leagues. So we've, we're thinking about a number of things for next year. We've even kicked around the possibility of having the, the uh, arena, and I'm not, I'm not calling it a pro arena this year intentionally, but we're thinking about having the arena in the center of the room. A lot of logistical things to work out if we decide to do that, but that's one of the ideas that we've kicked around. Why do you think it is that the amateur player just doesn't seem to have an interest in the pros? Wow. Um, there might be a number of reasons for that, and I won't pretend to have the answer. Uh, I have some theories. One theory is that uh, a lot of the pro events that you see just aren't really that relatable to the amateur players. For example, uh, in that tournament, the BCA Pool League National Championships, by and large, everybody, all the amateur players, they're playing eight ball and nine ball on seven foot tables in a particular format. Then you go to the pro event and they're playing eight ball, nine ball, ten ball, one pocket on nine foot tables. And it's just not the same game that these guys play all the time. Amateur players, most amateur players in this country play on seven foot tables every single week in their leagues in their tournaments, and that's just what they relate to. Uh, the guys that play on nine-foot tables are really a much smaller number. So that might be one aspect of it. Another aspect is, Mike, a lot of guys that play pool, 
they don't aspire to be anything other than a guy that plays pool on Tuesday night with his buddies. Um, so it's just it's it's a reason to go out and socialize, have a beer and have a good time. It's not really, hey, I'm going to be a pro one day. Some people don't even have a desire to get better, and that's fine. And and in my opinion, you hit the nail on the head there. But the question that comes to mind, so much of the conversation from people who are touting the great future that pool has right now is based on the number of people who report that they participate in pool however many times a week, a month, or whatever. But if whatever segment of that crowd is not really interested in the game itself, it's more just it's something that I do when I'm at the bar uh, drinking with friends. What does that say about our game? Well, it's probably good news and bad news. Um, the good news is I think there will always be a lot of people playing pool, and that's going to be good for the establishments, the bars and pool rooms. That's going to be good for cue manufacturers, tip manufacturers, going to be good for league systems like us it's going to be good for various tournaments um the bad thing is and we're seeing it now and this is ozzy reynolds opinion it's not so good for pro pool because people don't aspire to get there and people don't watch so from what we're seeing my amateur pool is alive and well Pro pool, not so much. Uh, the trick that everybody keeps trying to figure out is how do you make the two support each other? So that's that's the million-dollar question. Well, now Mark has has promoted his USA Pool League. How is that whole project going? The USA Pool League is, is going relatively well. It's about four years old, I believe. Uh, in fact, I joined the USA Pool League this session. I, I played in a BCA pool league last session, and I'm playing in a USA pool league this session. And, you know, it all comes down to preference. There are different formats, different structures. But I can tell you I love the format, and obviously I'm biased, and I have a reason to say that. But we we had a, a match last night, and it's just a really, really fun and fair format uh, that all levels of competition can compete in pretty evenly. Um, growth is a little slower than anyone had hoped, uh, but we're starting to see some good signs. We've kind of gone in a different direction with our marketing campaign for that league. And, uh, I believe we've signed up about five or six leagues here in the last couple of weeks. So that's, that's good news. It's a good sign. And, uh, we hope to fuel that growth further over the next couple of years. And, and as a BCA player myself, I'm curious as to what the differences are in the format, but before we get into that, do you see the growth of the USA Pool League being to the detriment of the BCA Pool League? Are are players leaving the BCA and going to USA, so really you're just keeping your same players? No, not at all. Uh, In fact, our numbers with the BCA Pool League system have remained relatively stable over the last few years even in the bad economy. Um, USA Pool League is such a different style, such a different format, 
that we're not seeing any cannibalization like that. By and large, what we're seeing is players coming from other league systems into the USA Pool League systems. Um, the difference in style is pretty dramatic. First, in the BCA Pool League, we don't govern your league. We are a sanctioning body. So a person can have a BCA Pool League sanctioned league and still set their own structure, their own format, their own handicap system within certain guidelines to meet the criteria to compete at the national championships, you're by and large free to run and organize your league any way you want to. And you simply sanction with the BCA pool league system so that you can participate in uh, the national championships, state and regional events, and get all the other benefits that come along with that. The USA pool league is much, much different. It is a structured national league system. Uh, similar to some of the other organizations out there, there is a set uh, format. You play either 8-ball or 9-ball. Everybody plays with the same handicap system. Everybody uses the same online league management software. And it's a match play format. So, for example, last night when I played, uh, me and my opponent, it's not a round-robin format, so I had one opponent, and we raced to our handicap. And depending on the skill level of that player, that'll be a different number. The BCA Pool League, most of those leagues are round-robin format. So if you have three or four-man teams, you're going to play everybody on that team. You know, one, two, three racks, whatever the case may be. Much, much different style of play, and it seems to attract different types of players. Is is the handicap system another league system we'll refer to it as an anonymous league system um, <laughs> their their ranking system is based on balls made instead of games won where you can lose the game but still win the match and and mm -hmm. that sort of thing how does the USA league system compare to to their system or any other system like that that's one of the things that I really like about it. Uh, some of the other league systems, while they do use mathematics, there's a lot of subjectivity placed in that. So that a uh, league operator or a regional manager, whatever you want to call it, has the autonomy to go out and change the handicaps to whatever he or she thinks it may be, may need to be. USA Pool League... Uh, is a comp the handicap system is called the fair play handicap system and it's been used for quite a while in specific regions of the country and it has about a 70 75 percent uh, track record of matches going hill hill which is really high so I won't get into the algorithm itself uh, but it's relatively complicated algorithm, but really it comes down to a few basic components. You keep score by counting the balls that each player makes and their missed shots. That's it. Um, it's not really about innings or any of that other stuff. You just count the balls that each player makes and how many times they miss when they're at the table. And other factors are taken into consideration, like the size of the table, whether it's a regular season match or a postseason match, 
and some other things. But by and large, those, those are the only two things that you track on your score sheet. And based on how you perform every week, the algorithm will do its work and spit out a rating for you. And that rating will change week to week. But as you become a veteran player, you play a certain number of weeks, that rating changes very little from week to week. And it really, really, truly does zero in on your true ability. Well, it sounds interesting. It sounds very, uh, I won't say simple, but, but it, it does sound very basic. It, at, at its core, it is very basic. Some of the mathematics behind it might not be so basic, but the way you score is really simple. Uh, it's really fun. The ratings go from 30 to 125, and you race to your rating every week. So, for example, um, I, I was a brand-new player, so automatically a brand-new player starts out at 50 uh, right now for the first three weeks. We're thinking about changing that to just one week. Uh, but for now, so the first three weeks that I played, I had to race to 50. And this is a nine-ball league. Every game is worth 14 points if you win. So you get one point for every ball you make, but if you win the game, which means you make the nine ball, you get 14 points for the win. So at 14 points per rack, if you're racing to 50, that's really you win four games, you're done. Uh, possibly three games, depending on you know how many balls you pocket in each game. But that's just to get to 50. So I've played three weeks, and lo and behold, uh, I checked this morning, and my number's 125. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got lucky three weeks. Uh, but now I'm going to have to race to 125 every week. So it's going to be much more difficult for me to win going to 125, particularly if I'm playing someone else that has to go to 50. Uh, and at 14 points a rack, you know, I'm going to get my money's worth, to say the least. Uh, I'll get some enjoyment and hopefully a lot of racks out of each week. So really good format. It really makes it fair, and the wins are going to get tougher for me from here on out. And you still play, is it a three-man team, a four-man team, five-man team? You can do either. This particular league is a three-man team. Okay. And, and and I didn't mean for this to turn into a commercial for the USA Pool League. To be honest, it was something that I was interested in. Um, so going back to the event at the Rio, uh, based on how everything went this year, what do you guys see as the future of that event? You had talked a little bit about questioning, you know, moving the pro arena into the center. Are you still committed to running pro events? We are. Uh, we think that's part of who we are, Mike, and uh, we're not going to give up on it by any stretch. Uh, although there were a, a couple glitches last year, by and large, it was a very, very successful event. We learned some lessons. Uh, we're going to apply those. We had a post-tournament meeting to talk about those. We documented all the lessons we learned uh, from various people on our staff. And we've already had two meetings. This is only November, but we've had two meetings since then to talk about what we want to do next year. I don't think you'll see the same exactly the same format that we had last year, uh, but we will definitely do some type of pro event at the BCA Pool League National Championships. When you say that it won't be the same format, do you see – did you like what happened with the invitational side of things, with the smaller field, being able to – not only to limit the number of players who were there, but to, to choose players who were 
fan-friendly or, or that sort of thing. Is that the direction that you think you guys are going to go in? Absolutely. Yep. And and to be honest, we've kicked around the idea of going back to open, just an open tournament, uh, maybe bringing back the U.S. Open 10 ball, U.S. Open 8 ball, what have you. And it's still something we might do. Uh, but honestly, we're still leaning more toward the invitational format because there's just too many advantages to it. You can pick who you want to be there. Um, and it's not, there's no conspiracy theory type things. Basically, you, you pick the people that are going to interact with your core audience the best. Um, so you get to do that. You also reduce cost. You don't need 15 or 20 extra tables out there to support an open event like that. Uh, secondly, you don't have to add as much money. If you, if you have 16 guys or 8 guys or whatever the case may be, uh, that's a lot more manageable uh, both logistically and financially, than it is managing 128, for example. Right. And I assume you're going to stick with the idea of of throwing the challenge matches in the middle uh, just to spice things up a little bit? I really liked it, uh, and it was a big success. Um, so I don't see any reason why we wouldn't continue to do that. It's a perfect opportunity to do it. The players enjoyed it. Um, and it's a big hit on our YouTube channel right now. Those matches are getting a lot of eyeballs. And it's good for our sponsors. It's real good for our sponsors. And let's face it, without them, there wouldn't be much of an event. Well, Ozzy, I want to take a short break real quick. Um, when we come back from the break, I want to change gears a little bit and, and move the conversation a little bit closer to my home. But uh, before we do that, I want to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Ozzy Reynolds this week. Like I said before the break, I kind of want to bring things a little closer to my home. And again, this is more of a, you know, I'm kind of curious sort of thing. You run the BCA Southwest Regionals out here at at Fort McDowell, and I understand it's not Fort McDowell anymore. Uh, How is that event going? Is that something, you know, can we talk about that event in the future of it? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, we, we ran it this year, <clears throat> excuse me, and we had very, very good meetings with the venue, uh, the venue management while we were down there. And they liked us being there so much, they offered us a multi-year contract. Um, we want to take it a little bit slow. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but we do have a contract already in place for 2015. It'll still be on Labor Day weekend, as it always has been. And we're currently reviewing the 2016 contract right now. So we have no plans of, of leaving that venue. And that event will uh, continue to grow. We actually did a little better this year than we did last year. Um, so we're hopeful that event will continue to grow. And it's a really nice venue. I really enjoyed myself down there. I played. I didn't play very well, but I sure did have a good time. <laughs> well, I know the local players really enjoy it. It's something they look forward to every year. Um I know there were some changes that took place in the logistics of the event this year that some of the players didn't care for, but I, I think 
I think either way, the players still they look forward to that event. It's it's something that uh, is big on their calendars. Now, I understand Fort McDowell is not the only event you have coming up in Arizona. Well, we we are talking to another venue, um, specifically it's Casino del Sol in Tucson, about the possibility of having a June event. This would be June 2015. Um, they're very anxious to get that event there, and we, our, Mark Griffin, our, our CEO, he went down and visited a place, and he said it was a fantastic venue. And we're continuing our contract negotiations, and we're hopeful that it'll come through. All signs are that it will. However, we don't have a contract yet, so obviously we haven't officially announced another Arizona tournament, but we're hopeful that we'll be able to do that very, very soon. So would this be a duplicate of the Southwest Regional, or would this be different? What would the logistics be of that? Well, I think there would be a lot of similarities. Um, it would be in a, a little different time of year. Um, we're still debating as to whether it would be a state championship or a regional championship. Um, there's there's pros and cons to both of those. Uh, so we haven't made all those decisions yet, but it wouldn't replace the Southwest Regional. Uh, it would just be in addition to, so that our Arizona and surrounding players would have even more benefits of being a BCA Pool League member. Well, uh, I know that that some of the players are not 100% happy with the regional aspect of things where the players come in from out of state. And, and I mean, I see it as, as maybe a, a, a budding rivalry where it's important for the Arizona players to make sure that out-of-state players don't take that prize money outside of the state lines. But I, I have heard that, you know, maybe they're not, pleased about that format what can you do though you can't just run it for arizona players well you know if the support is there we can if if enough arizona players would turn out um to support an arizona state championship we would absolutely be willing to do that however it's not going to be in anybody's best interest and i'm i'm using numbers just to exaggerate the point it wouldn't be in anyone's best interest to have an Arizona State Championship at a venue that's going to support us and add money to the event and get 100 bodies. Uh, that event wouldn't happen anymore. But, but if we could get the Arizona support and the Arizona players wanted a true state championship and they would turn out in, a great, enough, in great enough numbers, absolutely we would do it. But we have to balance that with the number of bodies that we bring into the venue because without the venue, there is no event. So it's a tricky balance, and you're probably never going to make everybody happy, but we try to do what's in the best interest of, of everyone, ourselves, the players, the venue, the sponsors, the vendors, everything. It, it's a tricky balance sometimes. Well, and that's something that I think more players need to keep in mind, that what you are doing is what you feel is in the best interest of all parties involved you're you're certainly like you know going back to the beast the the national event i've heard pro players complain about the change in format to the invitationals and you know that's one less tournament for them to be able to play in but they also need to understand that you're doing what you feel is for the betterment of 
everybody, not just the pro players. And, and what you're doing out here is not just for the betterment of the Arizona BCA players. Well, absolutely. And, and at its heart, well, you could make an argument that if it, let's, for example, say that it's going to be a regional event. And with a regional event, we draw 400 players, just pulling a number out of the air. If we make it an Arizona State Championship, let's say we draw 150 players. Well, would the Arizona players like to cash in a tournament with 150 players or cash in a tournament with 400 players? They're obviously going to walk away with more prize money, uh, and, and it's going to be a better atmosphere, quite honestly, with the more people you get in. The venue will be happier. They'll be more willing to support it next year. Um, so, yeah, we, we always try to balance what's best for everyone. And uh, like I said, you, you know, you're not going to, you're probably not going to please everybody all the time. <laughs> In the pool world? <laughs> In any world. Well, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's, let's 50,000 foot view, um, you know, the grand scheme of things. Can you talk a little bit about what direction that's moving in for for CSI and the BCA pool leagues and and you know all of your projects together? Well, um, I'll try not to take up too much time, but yeah, we've got a lot of things going on here. Um, my eyes have been wide open. I never would have imagined so much was involved in running pool leagues and running tournaments. But I've I've only been here since February, but we've we've done a lot of things since then, uh, most of which are not visible to most people. Um, right away, we had a sanctioning fee policy change. Um, that didn't make some people very happy, but it was very, very necessary uh, for the strength of our leagues and to ensure that we didn't have to do a price increase anytime soon. Uh, and that, that is, the prior to 2009, the sanction fee policy for the BCA Pool League was you paid $10 per player for everyone in your league and if a player played in multiple leagues, they had to sanction in each one. In 2009, uh, CSI found it necessary to go from 10 to $15. Hey, let's face it, things go up over time. Costs increase, and those typically get passed on to the consumer in every business. So they made a decision to go from 10 to $15. But to soften the blow and ease the burden on people, the, the decision was made back in 2009 that if you played in more than one league, you only had to pay one time. So a guy could play in three or four different leagues, and he still only had to pay one sanction fee. At that time, it was felt that it wouldn't be that big of a deal uh, because there were a relatively low number of people that played in more than one league, and that's been the policy since 2009. However, over time, it's created a lot of problems, a lot of problems. Uh, league operators have found it easier to recruit existing league players rather than go out and recruit brand new ones. So, for example, and I'll use an extreme made-up scenario just to illustrate the point, you might have a 400-player league in a certain town that plays on Monday and Tuesday nights. And then another guy in that town says, you know, I'm going to start my own in-house smaller league. It's going to be 30 players, and we're going to play on Wednesday. And he just simply recruits 30 players that are already playing in the large league. And they form a brand new league with a new league number, a different league operator, the whole nine yards. 
and then he submits his paperwork to be sanctioned through the BCA Pool League. And we sanction him, and we send him posters and patches and pins, and we enter in all the player information in our database, and we do lots of things to support the league. We set them up in our league management software. Meanwhile, we get zero for that because those 30 players have already paid somewhere else. Right. So if you get enough of those situations across the country, it turns into a real big problem. So we made the decision to go away from that. If you play in multiple leagues, you have to sanction in every league, just like the policy was before. Now, that doesn't mean divisions. If you have a league that has five divisions and they play five nights a week, if it's still the same league with the same league number and the same league operator, you still only pay one time. We don't care how many nights you play. It's just how many leagues you play in. That's for one calendar year. So That's correct. Is it calendar year, or is it from nationals to nationals? Yeah, that's a good point. It's a, it's a league year, which runs June 1 through May 31st. Yep. So we, we made that change, and, and as expected, we, we had some upset people. But by and large, when you sit down and explain it to those people, they understand, and, and they know it's necessary. Uh, so that'll, that'll strengthen our future. We changed our substitute player policy. The previous policy was if you play just one match, you have to be a sanctioned member if you're in a sanctioned league. Uh, we've we've backed off of that. We recognize that sometimes you just need a substitute, and that substitute doesn't want to join the league. So a true substitute defined as someone that just plays one match does not have to sanction. So we did that to ease the burden a little bit on our leagues. We took a hard look at our advertising and where we were spending our advertising money. Uh, we've cut back in some places, increased it in others. Um, largely, you see print media sliding back and electronic media, such as Facebook, really gaining an advantage. So we've taken a look at where our dollars are spent. We're building a new website. Uh, right now, we have three websites, playcsipool.com, playbca.com, and playusapool.com. Depending on which league or what kind of information you're looking for, you could go to three different places. We're building one comprehensive website that will include all of those. Um, it's going to combine all three. It'll be easier for us to update. Easier means less cost. Uh, and it's a more cloud-based system rather than housed on our own servers. Uh, we're taking a look at making, making the league sanctioning process a lot easier. Uh, right now we have, for example, two league operator manuals. One is for USA and Canada leagues. One is for everybody else. Uh, we're combining those into one. And uh, rather than downloading a PDF and filling it out by hand, we're going to have fillable PDF forms available. <clears throat> we're also looking at uh, instituting the ability for a league to submit just a Excel spreadsheet roster of their players that can be automatically uploaded to our database uh, and payment of sanction fees through the website, the new website. So those are some of the things we're working on to make it easier for everybody. We've already instituted a, a new feature in our database, which members can log on to our database. They can create an account, log into their member area, and download their player cards. For example, if they lose their card and they want a new one, they can download it and print it themselves. And also, our rule book is now available in ebook and mobile versions. So, if somebody wants it on their smartphone or tablet, they can download it for free. It's very nice. It's it's searchable. 
has a, a lot of nice features, a lot better than carrying around a book. Uh, so that's available for members. Of course, we got our YouTube channel where we have matches, instruction videos, podcasts, all kinds of neat things on there. And some of the future objectives, and these are just 50,000-foot view, like you said, Mike. We, we're really taking a look at what kind of youth program we can create because uh, if we're not careful, we're going to lose a generation. Absolutely. So we need we we need to we're going to focus on some type of youth program. We're going to do a lot more streaming of amateur events. One of the things we've kicked around, and if, unless I get vetoed, we're going to do it, is we're going to free stream a lot of the finals from the amateur events next July at the BCA National Championships. That would be great. Yep. Um, it, it would be free through our website. It's not about viewers. It's about giving the folks there an experience of their lifetime of playing in the arena, under the lights, in front of the cameras. And we've even talked about having some of the pros commentate those matches. How cool would that be? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're looking at league operator incentives to try to attract more leagues and more divisions of existing leagues, player incentives so that they can sort of drag their leagues along into sanctioning with us. Of course, all of this is about growth, just growing our leagues, and that's the main objective. But just some of the things that we've had going on over the last few months. Well, you guys are certainly busy out there. Very busy. <laughs> well, Ozzy, it, it all sounds very interesting. Um, I'm, of course personally invested in in you know what happens here in Arizona and and I can't wait to see what happens in Vegas it's always I enjoy coming out and watching the pros but I'm not your typical amateur player so I guess I don't count are you in the pro category Mike <laughs> no <laughs> no I can guarantee that but no I I enjoy watching the pros more than in your average amateur Yep, me too. Okay, well, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time and, and bringing us up to speed on everything today. I wish you luck in the future, and I'm sure that we will talk to you uh, sometime next year. Okay, thanks, Mike. I enjoyed it, and uh, I'd be willing to do this anytime. All right, thanks, Ozzy. That's it, okay. everybody. Uh, stay tuned next week. I'm not sure who we'll have for an interview, but we should have another one for you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.